Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 413. And uh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, we've got a good show for you this week. Uh, Abriana, how's things in Atlanta, Hotlanta? Is it hot yet? It's warming up. We've had some pretty warm days. It's like in the 80s, some days touching in the 80s, which is nice. Um, but it's not super hot yet. It's not unbearable hot. <laughs> yeah. That's to come. But yeah, it's good. I mean, things have been going well here. It's busy. Um, I've got a digital media event later this month and, um, you know, just a lot of stuff we're doing here internally a digital element and uh yeah i mean moving and grooving how about you how's toronto yeah toronto's good it's spring is here finally so we, we're kind of vacillating back and forth between rainy days and nice sunny you know warm days flowers are all out the buds are all out on the trees and all that. <laughs> so it's, it's really nice um and uh yeah but not not quite atlanta temperatures we're in kind of like i would say 60 70 range most of the time uh, which is fine for, for this time of year up here. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And my Raptors, you know, they tied up the series. So that's good. You know, we're excited about that in the city right now. Cause uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'd mm -hmm. like to see Raptors bucks in the, uh, in the conference finals. That'd be good. But uh, anyhow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we've got a good show for you this week. Oh, and, and I'm off to, um, to Belgium tonight. So uh, for the virtuology conference over there uh, with our good partners, uh, Mobilosoft. Uh, so I'll be there. If you're around on Thursday in Brussels and you're listening to this, come out uh, or just uh, message me somewhere and uh, we'll get you into the conference to come check it out. So, um, yeah, so that's it. So uh, we got three industry news stories and only two member news stories this week. Um, and uh, so good, nice, short, crisp show. Lots of interesting things, though, to talk about. And I'll let Abriana start it off. Yeah. So um, if you remember MoviePass, the company MoviePass, uh, where you kind of pay like a monthly fee to see, I guess, kind of as many movies um, with participating theaters that you wanted. Um, while the founder of MoviePass, Stacy Spikes, is starting a new company and she's uh, kind of promoting it on Kickstarter. So she has this Kickstarter campaign. It's, the platform is called Pre-Show. And this is pretty interesting. What she's trying to do is they're going to work with, Pre-Show wants to work with companies that are, um, you know, brands. Um, um, th think of like uh, Procter and Gamble with Tide or like Ivory Soap, things like that, right? So um, they want a moviegoer to watch this like pre-roll of of film of twenty minutes um, with image recognition, with facial recognition, kind of going on, and in return for that, they get a free pass to a movie. So what happens is like the user logs into the app, they pick a movie that they want to see, and then the pre-show is going to run one to three minute ad spots on a brand, or the brand can buy like an entire 20 minute, you know, 15 to 20 minutes pre-roll. Mm -hmm. So what the camera does is you can use the camera on the phone or the computer, and it's actually not, it's not like tracking your face necessarily, but it's just making sure that you're watching it, like that you're there, that it's on, that it's rolling, um, that a person is like in front of the screen. Um, 
so it's not really recording, but it's just checking to make sure. So the viewers earn like a virtual credit card and then they can take it to a movie theater that's, that's uh, participating in this program and exchange it in order to go to a movie. Um, so the Kickstarter campaign so far has raised, I checked it today, it was uh, about $56,000. Um, and I think this is really interesting. I think that um, what I like about this is, you know, we always talk about what are, what are brands or retailers or platforms giving an exchange like of, in value for in exchange for a consumer's data. And this is obviously capturing consumer data. It is putting ads right in front of somebody. It's verifying that they are indeed watching them. Um, and then they're giving something of value with a movie ticket to somebody who obviously is a moviegoer. Um, I think this is cool. I think that they have to expand upon it. One question that I have about this whole platform here is, what does the demographic look like, right? I mean, if you think of people who have 20 minutes to sit down and watch something for advertising, I'm thinking of somebody who's probably, you know, younger, a younger demographic. You're talking about like, I don't even know, not millennials, right? We're talking about, you know, teenagers and stuff. And so if you're putting, you know, an ivory ad or a Tide ad in front of, you know, a 15 year old boy, he's not buying the laundry detergent. He's not buying the soap most of the time that he's using in the house probably. So I'm wondering, that's my question, like, is it the right demographic? But um, one thing that they did mention, or Stacy Spikes is thinking about is possibly toying with like a premium level of data with some of these advertisers, like a Nielsen type model. So um, maybe connecting the audience data to other data about the moviegoers, like, you know, psychographic, demographic data, where else they go, uh, may be really interesting for these brands. But I think that, you know, I think she's onto something here. I think that we're, you know, we're starting to see like more companies and platforms say, what can we give in exchange for, you know, for this data that's obviously valuable and that's what the brands want, but it needs to be pure. It needs to be, you know, clean. And then obviously I would think that pre-show could sell that data, not only to the, the tides and, you know, the Procter and Gambles of the world, but also um, sell that data to the movie goers, right? Like what movies are people doing? And it may be, it may be a brand that's actually in a movie that they're, that they're going to see. Right. So they pick the movie first, which is really cool because maybe there is, you know, a tie type of sponsorship that's within the movie or something like that. But I think it's cool. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's a really, really smart idea. I, I love the, I, you know, the, just the, the tech use case here of uh, using facial, uh, I'll call it facial detection as opposed to recognition right. technology in here, because I think it's interesting, you know, so often, you know, we see, you know, even on YouTube or something, there's the, you know, the advertising or on Facebook, there's, you know, your middle of a video and then it breaks, you know, to show you an ad or whatever. Um, you know, and how often do people walk away or, you know, go do something else for those few seconds while it's going on. So, you know, being able to detect that they're actually there, you know, eyes on the screen kind of thing, uh, engaged in some, at some level with, with the ad that's showing there, the pre-roll, uh, I think is, is, is really, really cool. I think that's, I think it's from a technology perspective, it's something that obviously, you know, everybody should be doing who's kind of in that you know, kind of video ad space. Um, so I, I love that aspect of it. I love the trade-off of, you know, a movie ticket. Um, 
I'm with you on the demographic that may not apply to, to every demographic, but I think for a lot of people, it's, it's good incentive, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, what the, what the value exchange looks like there, but it, you know, if, let's say $10 for, for a movie ticket, you know, just to arbitrarily pick a number, you know, and you know, the trade off for watching 15 to 20 minutes of ad, you know, advertising in exchange for a $10 ticket, you know, I don't think that's, crazy i don't think that's bad uh, um and especially if you if you can ultimately collect data too about the individuals i like the idea of getting feedback for additional incentive you know from the from the viewers of the advertising as well so almost like i remember many many years ago um one of the startups that i was involved with, with uh did this kind of creative kind of webex type collaborative platform for design and one of the use cases for it was working with big brands on uh, early iterations of TV spots and, and commercials. Um, so before they actually went, here's the final commercial, you know, all the sort of, uh, you know, three or four or five beta versions of that, what we would do is we would take those and we put this, put them into an online environment and then invite uh, people, uh, consumers to come in uh, who were fans of those brands, advocates of the brand to come in and weigh in and provide feedback on, on the different, you know, iterations of that, that ultimately just help decide uh, on which ad they were going to run. Um, and so I think you could, you could, in theory, you know, kind of use this in a completely different way, but you could use this, you know, to kind of solicit feedback and input ultimately on brand, uh, you know, the advertising design and what will be most impactful with your consumer audience. So, so I, I really like it. I think it's a smart exchange and, and, I think movie tickets is a, is a good hook. There you go. All right, on to our second story this week. Over to the UK we go, uh, to Sainsbury, the big uh, grocery chain over there. And, uh, you know, as on trend, uh, as we're, we're, we've been talking about uh, a lot on the show for the last little while, you know, it seems like every retailer is thinking about how to go with uh, cashierless type of grocery environments. You know, we've talked a lot about Amazon Go. We've talked about Bingo Box in China. Uh, and here Sainsbury is launching the first what they call till free grocery store in the UK. It's at Holborn Circus location. Uh, so if you're in London, you can go check this out uh, there at, uh, at the Holborn Circus location. They call this their smart shop scan pay and go technology. It's a long name, but uh, it works, I guess. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they're going to be running a pilot for three months. Um, and deciding from there whether they roll this out to other stores. It's pretty simple. Uh, you go in with your uh, with, with, with an app on, on your phone, uh, you scan a QR code which confirms that you've paid for the particular item, and then you just walk out the store. Uh, you don't need to deal with anybody, talk to anybody. The one thing that I really thought was kind of interesting about this, they said that, um, that there's a help desk, so I guess there's a counter in there uh, for, um, support so if you're a shopper who wants to pay with cash or card uh then that is available there uh but it's not kind of what you know the main operation is is basically scan and go um and it's interesting because you know we talked recently about amazon you know having to you know wanting to go into new york and new jersey with their go stores and having you know uh to change their policy to meet you know local legislative requirements which is yeah, uh, New York and New Jersey are not going to allow Amazon go in unless they also accept cash. Um, and so I think you, you know, it's interesting because there's, there's this desire, there's this demand from a certain demographic to go completely 
cashless. Uh, and yet on the other side, there's, there's some pushback, right? Uh, at government levels and, and others to say, no, 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 uh, we have to accept cash uh, in some form. And so I like that, you know, Sainsbury's kind of, you know, I don't know what the legislative rules are in the UK, but they're already just saying, Hey, you know, like as a backstop, we've got this over here in the corner kind of thing for those who want that. Um, but everybody else, you know, scan and go. So, uh, I like it. Yeah. I think about how I shop as a consumer and, um, if there are like the self checkouts, I tend to do that more often. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I don't want to engage with somebody or I feel like it's just quicker. Um, but you know, there are things that, that do hold up that process. For example, like if I buy alcohol, I've got to have somebody come over and check my ID or if something's not scanning, somebody has to come over and check it. Or sometimes there's just like a glitch with the scanning and, you know, so the idea of, of making this, I guess, more seamless. I love, but you know, I think that there's always going to be some um, friction points along the process and cash might just be one of them, but you know, it's going to be something that you have to interact with somebody at, at some level about, right? Like something's going to be, there's always like little glitches in the system and I think they have to be worked out, but I, I like the idea of this. Um, I mean, beyond the point that it maybe is taking away people's jobs. I don't know, but maybe, but maybe it's not, maybe it's just allowing them to do other things um, like helping people find what they're looking for while they're shopping versus solely standing there and scanning items for them. So, I mean, I think I see pros and cons to this movement and this wave of, of, you know, machines taking over. Um, but I'm open to it. I don't know. Yeah. And they said, so in early testing so far at the pilot, 82% of the transactions happening at the store are going with the scan and go cashierless system. So, uh, so there's a small number still that's using cash, but I think that's, that's pretty strong endorsement, right? 82% is a big number. That's huge. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. So this next story is kind of cool besides the name, which is weird. It's called let's bab. I don't know what babbing is, but, uh, <laughs> it's this new app. It's called Let's Bab and it is leveraging peer recommendations. So, you know, we've had this big trend, I think, on social media with, um, I guess, like social influencers that are, you know, providing marketing for various products and brands and they're always showing off, you know, different things that they use um, and why you should buy it as well. And it's somebody that you follow or you like. And so you're going to maybe buy it as well. So Let's Bab is kind of seizing the market. They're taking advantage of this, you know, opportunity and they are saying like, hey, how can we use influencer marketing to create a platform to encourage people to buy what their friends have bought or be influenced by that? So what it does, I actually just downloaded the app because um, I wanted to kind of try it out, but it enables the consumers to shop, um, recommend, they can earn money through anything that they recommend that friends buy. So if I recommend something and see if you decide to buy it, then, you know, I get, I think, 5% um, back. What I think is cool about this is that they offer you the opportunity to either bank your 5% or give your 5% to charity or a portion of each. Um, so I think that's really cool. But the main two features are to find it or to bab it. And I'm assuming bab it means like recommend it. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I think this is coming on the brink when Instagram is testing in-app shopping. Right now, all the shop now is like taking you to an external site um, of the vendor or the retailer or the brand where you can buy items. But, 
you're not necessarily shopping within Instagram. So this is sort of, I don't know if it's going to be competitive to it, but what I like about it is it's a little bit more, um, I don't know. I feel like it's more personal, right? So you're saying like, what are other people recommending? Or I like this person's style. Like what else do they like? Did they like this or did they not like this? Um, but I would really, right now it's mostly focused on like fashion and a little bit of home goods. Um, I would really like to see this expand to bigger items that people tend to research a bit more, right? Think of car purchases, electronics, um, appliances for your home. I feel like that's a lot where people are really looking for recommendations. And I don't feel like there's a centralized source of information for customer reviews or, um, you know, what people recommend. And so if you're able to see, you know, perhaps like, Hey, this person has a similar lifestyle to me. Like, you know, they're a working mom. This is this, like, they like this dishwasher or whatever it may be. Then I feel like that's a better endorsement for, for you. Right. Than just reading consumer reviews, like from people you don't even know, you don't know if they're legit reviews or not. But so I like this, the premise of this, I just want to see like how they're going to grow that and expand into other items. Um, so they're starting to crowdfund this month. Uh, they haven't started it yet. So if you want to be involved in that and you think this is a stellar idea, you can actually go to letsbab.com and check it out, sign up for that. But um, I mean, I, I think that this is like, we're kind of on the brink of something here. I, I this is something that, you know, my husband and I had talked about a long time ago, like kind of developing an app similar to this. Like, what does that look like? You know, if you're comparing two items or you get down to two different, you know, things like, is it this one or this one? Is it this or that? Like, what is it? Um, what's better and why do you recommend it? And having, you know, here they're talking about influencers, but having people who you would deem an expert in a various, you know, industry or whether that's like fashion or you know, electronics or computers or whatever resources it may be kind of leveraging that. So I like the direction this is going. I'm a fan. Yeah, I think it's a good, it's a solid idea. I think that, um, you know, we've seen whether it's Instagram or Facebook, you know, kind of playing around with models of leveraging social recommendations, you know, what your friends think about different things. Uh, you know, we've been involved in experiments over the years uh, with different brands that, you uh, you know, also leverage kind of the, the social network and the recommendation aspect of it. So I like that. I, you know, I think the shopping piece of this, the commerce piece of this for me is is interesting. You know, and I think there there's enough of a motivating factor here with the 5%, you know, sort of on purchase, you know, that, that you get if your friend buys the thing. And it reminded me, as I was reading the story, it reminded me of way, way, way back, if you remember, you know, uh, living social, um, that was going head to head with Groupon for a long time there. They had launched this thing uh, at Living Social called Me Plus Three uh, way back in the day. And, and if you basically, you know, had, you know, a deal on something and you shared it with three friends, um, then, uh, and they took advantage of the deal, like whatever the, the Groupon Living Social type deal was, uh, if they, you know, you know, got that uh, salon appointment or that massage or whatever it was, that the, the deal was on and three people took advantage of it, then yours actually became free or you got a free one. Um, so I thought, you know, like it really reminded me of that idea of leveraging recommendations um, and, and benefiting from that, you know, personally, you know, on a, from a financial perspective. And, and so I love that aspect of this. I think, um, I think there's a lot of room in the industry, you know, in retail, um, 
whether we're talking about kind of, you know, the daily deal type of thing, or we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, air, luxury items or whatever the case might be. Um, so I, I think the challenge here is how do you get the right brands on board um, to drive uh, acceptance and awareness, you know, of this and, and to get, get the numbers that you want, right? Because yeah. for example, when AT&T launched Shopper Alerts, you know, to try to do text-based offers, across the cellular network we know that that didn't last very long because you know it wasn't like they launched with starbucks and apple and you know big brands that people care about they launched with kmart you know and 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 it, and it just wasn't resonating with people right so um you, well you know, one thing i feel like is kind of to their benefit is i did notice so the app is available in the u.s and the uk and they have just under 100 brands on each um each of those yeah for each of those countries. Um, and some of the brands include folks like Coach and ASOS and Boohoo and places that I've shopped before. So I feel like it's, I mean, they're it's, kind it's of coming right out here. the gate pretty yeah, well. Yeah, they got the right guys. So yeah. I like it. I think it's, I think it's got a lot of potential. So, uh, so check it out, uh, you know, and get involved in the, uh, in the crowdfunding too. Maybe. Yeah. So, Bab it up, man. Bab it up. All right. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, we'll shift over now to our member news. Um, and, uh, as I said, we only have two stories for you this week uh, and I'll kick it off, uh, with a story that's local here in Toronto. I'm excited about this. Uh, Uber Eats, uh, has launched the very first, uh, pilot, uh, right here in Toronto at, uh, our big airport, Toronto Pearson International Airport, uh, which I will be at later today. Um, however, I won't be, this is only at Terminal 3. Uh, which is not where Canada flies out of, so I can't try this. Um, but the next time I fly out of Terminal 3, I will. So what is it? Uh, so it's a partnership between the airport, Uber Eats, and HMS Host, which is a uh, the big provider of restaurants and food services um, in, the, uh, in the complex. And essentially, if you have Uber Eats uh, on either iOS or Android, you can have food from the HMS host restaurants in the facility uh, brought right to you at the gate. So this includes burgers, burritos, smoked meat, shawarma, all kinds of things. Uh, so we have in, in there uh, Kaplansky's Deli, which is amazing, amazing deli. Paramount Fine Foods, which is like a Mediterranean restaurant chain. Uh, Smokes uh, Burritery, Smash Burger, Finn McCool's, which is an Irish pub. Um, so you can get all this stuff. Like, like this is real restaurant food, not like, you know, McDonald's. Um, you know, brought right to you uh, at the gate while you're waiting for your flight. Uh, through Uber Eats. I think it's it's cool. I think it's it's really smart. Um, uh, and especially if you can like order it like on the way and just have it there as you arrive at the gate and, you know, saving people time uh, from tracking the stuff down or, or going over there. I, I think it's a really smart partnership. Yeah, I like this. I think it makes sense. I could, I was, while you were talking about this, I could almost picture like an Amazon locker type of thing where like you get there and, you know, you get to the gate and your food's like in a locker nearby but it's like a warm locker keeps it warm yeah. or cold or whatever you know um so that you can just get it when you get there and not have to try and find somebody or somebody find you um so but i like this i think it's good i think that you know if you are like health conscious it's kind of difficult sometimes to find something good to eat um when you're at the airport and you know it's difficult to bring stuff in with you and so you know you're thinking of like you're traveling international you're going to be on a long flight you know you're going to be on the plane like more than five hours you really want to have some type of 
um, non-prepackaged food that you can eat. So mm. I like that idea and I think that it, it will probably, um, I don't know, I, you'll have to try it and see how it goes. Yeah, but bring it to Terminal 1. I mean, that's where I'm flying all the time, people, not Terminal 3. Um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're flying out of there uh, on international flights, it, it's gates B22 to 41 and uh, C30 to 36 and Terminal 3, and they're running it from now until the end of Q3. Um, so we got time. Uh, if you're coming through Toronto or Terminal 3, give it a shot. <laughs> all right, so our final story is for all of you dog lovers out there. Are you a dog lover? I like dogs. I don't own a dog uh, or have a dog. Um, I like dogs definitely more than cats for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I'm definitely more of a dog lover. Um, I don't. I don't have a dog anymore. Rest in peace, my sweet Shula. Okay, but this story is for the dog lovers out there. So this is kind of interesting, and I like this story. It's fun. So if you haven't heard of this app, there's this app called Dog Spot. And if you are like a to take your dog to work type of person, if you walk your dog, you know, you want to just, you know, your, the dog is like part of your family and you want to spend as much time with that dog as possible. And we all know that sometimes dogs can be a lot more enjoyable than family. You know, they don't really talk and just kind of go about their business. They're there to snuggle with you when you need them to. So this app connects, it's connected to these dog houses that are like throughout the city. Um, but now Dog Spot has actually partnered with Kroger's QFC. Um, it's a Kroger company and it's a supermarket. Um, and they're testing this out in Seattle. So here's really something interesting, a fun Seattle fact. Did you know that more people in Seattle have, there's more dogs in Seattle than there are children. That just tells you a little bit about Crazy. the city. <laughs> there are more dogs and children okay so if you are a dog lover that might be a great city for you too so what happens is like if you're going to go shop at qfc now they have these dog um these amazing connected dog houses that are outside um the supermarket can't let the dogs into the supermarket because of health you know i guess like different health codes prohibits that so they are um temperature controlled like when it's cold outside they're you know they have warm floors when it's hot outside they have air conditioning um they have cameras that are monitoring them you can actually tune in and watch your dog you know check check it out while you're on aisle three like hey you know what's spot doing here uh, they're lockable and then they self sanitize so you know, you take your dog with you to the supermarket, you check them into this like cozy little suite, you do your shopping and then you come out and grab your dog and be on your way. So, you know, you can check in on your best friends while you're doing all of that. And if you're a QFC shopper, you get this service for free. Um, I think this is super cool. I love it. You know, I used to take my dog with me a lot of places and, you know, some places are more friendly than others. And I just think it's, it's a it's a great service to offer, especially in a city like Seattle, when you have a really high dog population, you have a lot of people who, you know, are walking in the city. Um, and there's like at least five different QFCs that they're going to have these um, dog houses out. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. Um, I think this is really cool. My, my only disappointment about this whole story is, is why didn't we have these guys come set up a dog spot like at Retail Loco like two weeks ago in Seattle? Um, you know, we could have like talked about it right there, had it there. Um, uh, so next, next year, people, if you're listening, uh, we want a dog spot, uh, or at least add it to the retail tour or something. Uh, so we can go check this out. Um, yeah. I wish I had known about it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the, the tech around this. I think, um, you know, from a, you know, retail traffic 
perspective in terms of driving traffic to store, I think this is smart because, you know, you, as you said, there, there's the health codes that you can't bring your dogs into the stores with you. And if there really are that many more dogs than children, um, and that's the, you know, that's what the, the makeup of the city looks like, then uh, I think, you know, people probably want to be going everywhere with their dog and, um, you know, bringing them to the store. So if you've got somewhere you can leave them, that is got this kind of technology, keeping them safe and healthy and warm and or cold or whatever the, the right thing is at the particular time of year. Uh, I like it. I like, I think the camera thing is interesting. Um, you know, I don't know how long you're going to be in the store that you're going to want to be checking on your dog with the camera, but um, you know, it's there. The puppy cam is there if you, if you need it. And um, you know, what else can I say? About it? I think it's, I think it's, so it reminds me like, um, I was thinking of Ikea, for example, here in Atlanta has like a kid check-in place. Like you, your kids can go and play. Um, I think they have to be like, you know, of a certain age and be potty trained, but you can let them go and play while you go and shop. Sure. Um, I know there's some supermarkets up North where we used to live, uh, near the Philadelphia area. I think it was Giant Eagle that had, um, they have like childcare services as well. So your kids can just hang out and watch TV or play while you go and shop. I mean, I think these are great services to offer. You know, you have kids, they have a lot of energy. They want to be with other kids. You don't want them to be asking to put everything into the cart. I mean, if you're thinking about kids, dogs, people, a lot of times view them the same mm -hmm. as part of the family. And so, you know, any services that you have where you can like keep things family involved, but yet make it a little bit easier to to shop and and get out of there i think that that delivers a good experience and people are less concerned about price shopping versus um experience shopping for sure good story uh so you know uh, kroger we want to see you guys next next year at, at uh, retail loco in april in seattle um and yeah if you have a dog and you live there go check out dog spot um yeah so that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member or two member news stories. Um, some really, really cool, interesting stuff. Um, you know, uh, if you're listening and you're watching this and you have story ideas, reach out to us. If you have feedback, reach out to us. All the information there is at the end of the show. Uh, we love hearing from people. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening and watching. This has been episode 413 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Of course, we'll be back next week uh, with yet another show. Have a great week. Bye.